Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning again. Pastor's on vacation, so you get to hear from me for the next couple weeks. Sorry. Um, but, you know, today we're, we're starting with our introduction to First and Second Peter. We're going to be talking about this uh, in our small groups that are coming up the series called No Pain, No Gain. And today I want to talk about the backstory. But before we do that, you know, when we talk about the kind of sermons that people like, we could dice and slice and divide that up lots of different ways. But generally, in, the, in broad brushes, we kind of fall into two categories. Some people like the deep theological study. And we're going to dive deep, and we're looking at the words, and we're looking at the original Aramaic and Greek, and we're comparing those words to where that word's used other places in Scripture. We just really, really go deep. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a sin. It's fine. But some people really like that. But, you know, everything has a pro and a con. And the con side of that is sometimes some of the people that like that, that's all they want. And, you know, it's like it's time to go do mission work. No, we need a Bible study. Right? And it was just, I need more info, more info, more, you know, like a robot. Give me more data, you know, just more, more, more. And that's not always a good spot to be. You guys remember the movie from 2010, The Book of Eli? Anybody see that? Denzel Washington? It's a post-apocalyptic world after some nuclear war. And apparently we learned through the movie that uh, the part of the reason of the war, at least, was People were fighting over the Bible. The Bible was believed to be a book of great power, and it could control people. And they were destroying Bibles, and eventually nuclear war breaks out over the Bible. And the character, Eli, has found a Bible, and he's trying to save it. He's trying to get it back to San Francisco, where they're trying to reboot civilization. They're collecting books and printing them up again. So he's trying to save this, what might be the last Bible on earth. And in his journey, he picks up a traveling partner. And at one point, he makes this quote. And he says, I was carrying it and reading it every day. Got so caught up in protecting it, I forgot to live by what I learned from it. Right? We don't want to be in that spot. That's, that's not a good spot to be in. So that's the first group of people. The second group of people are the people who just tell me what to do. Just give me a how-to. Just tell me what you want me to do. I'll go do it. I'm fine. You know, Just, just tell me. I, I don't know Greek. I don't know Aramaic. I don't know Hebrew. I'm barely getting by in English. You know, just, just tell me what to do. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's whole books in the Bible like that. But, you know, the whole pros and cons thing. And so the con side of, of those type of sermons is that, 
you end up with this really long list of do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, and you don't know why. And it's, it's difficult to know what to do with it. Reminds me of a story I heard about a mother who was teaching her daughter how to cook. And he was showing her how to make this pot roast. I don't know how to make pot roast. So they're, you know, folding and slicing and dicing and doing whatever you do when you make pot roast. Don't laugh at me, Philip, our, our chef here. I don't know how to make pot roast. But anyway, they're making the pot roast. They get it all done. And just before she sticks it in the oven, she pulls out this big old knife, whacks off the ends, and sticks it in the oven. And the daughter looks at mom and says, Mom, why did we cut off the ends? And mom says, I don't know. That's how my mom taught me to do it. Let's call up grandma and see what she says. And so they call up grandma, and grandma says, Yeah, that's how my mom taught me to do it. Why don't you call your great-grandma and see what she says? So they dial up great-grandma who's in the nursing home, takes a while to get her and get connected to her, and they ask her, why do we do this? And she goes, yeah, I used to cut off the ends of the pot roast, but you remember back in my day, I had this little tiny stove with a little tiny oven, and it didn't fit, and I had to cut off the ends. But honey, you've got a nice big stove. You don't have to do that. We don't want to be there either, right? Not a good spot to be. So, you know, in in these different pros and cons and how we do it, um, we we try to have balance, do a little bit of both, right? Because the Bible has both. Romans, deep theological study. James, very practical how-to. The Bible has both. We try and do both here, and I hope we're finding a good balance of that. But I want to tell you, today, both groups are going to be upset at me because I'm not doing either one of those kinds of sermons. So today, we're staying at the very highest level we can stay at because we're going to be going into uh, First and Second Peter more in depth as we go through the series, and I don't want to do that now and ruin what's coming. So we're just staying at a high level. And what I'm trying to do to do is provide you some backstory. What was Peter thinking? What was going on? Why did he write this stuff? And you may want to keep these notes with you in your small groups um, because it has kind of the structure of what he's talking about and why. And as we're going through that, maybe that'll be somewhat helpful. All right, so you've got your sermon notes with you. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter. We're kind of just be looking around through here in various places. Um, And before we get to all that, right, we know that uh, Peter was one of the apostles, right? Actually one of the inner circle of Jesus' apostles. And in fact, so much so, remember that he was born with the name Simon, And when he confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus says, upon this what? Rock, I'm going to build my church. And when he says that word rock, sometimes we think of rock, the rock of Gibraltar, right? No, it's a rock, this kind of rock, kind of rock you could pick up and throw, okay? But the word that Jesus probably used would have been kephas in the Aramaic. And that would have meant rock. And that word becomes petros in the Greek. We've heard that. Which becomes Peter 
in the English. And sometimes we see him even referred to as Simon Peter. So I just kind of want to bring this up because sometimes if you're looking through doing these studies and you're looking at different uh, translations and different commentaries, you might see these different words used. It's all the same dude, okay? I mean, some of us maybe are confusing because, you know, we've got a name and a short name and a family name and, you know, whatever. But, you know, Peter had all kinds of names. I don't, I don't know how he ever answered to anything. But... Um, so just, just, just keeping that in mind as, as we go through it. Now, Peter starts out his ministry in Jerusalem. And he's helping getting the church going in Jerusalem. Uh, James is there. Some of the other disciples are there. They're getting the church going in Jerusalem. And at some time, Peter leaves Jerusalem and goes to Rome and begins working with the church in Rome. And that's where he is when he writes 1 Peter. It's written in Rome, which he metaphorically calls Babylon, okay, because in Old Testament form, any evil empire was Babylon. And so Rome is Babylon. He's not physically in Babylon, which would have been clear the other direction, but he is in, in Rome. It's written around 60 AD, maybe some 30 years after Jesus' death. And it's written with the help of Sylvanius or Silas. Do you recognize the name, Paul and Silas? Widely believed to probably be the same guy here. Okay, we, we don't know 100% for sure, but we, we think that that's probably true. Okay, So just, again, giving you some background. Now remember, Peter is kind of an uneducated fisherman. His grammar is not so good. His spelling's not so good. I went to college. My spelling still isn't so good. But, you know, he didn't have, you know, spell check and, and grammarly and, and whatever helps we use to get everything right. And so it was very common to dictate your letter and have somebody else write it for you and, and get um, proper dictation, proper grammar, proper words, all this kind of stuff. So this would have been very, very popular to do. Um, and now Peter has, has written this letter to some Gentile Christians. These were not Jews. These were Gentiles that become Christians in Asia Minor. Anybody know where Asia Minor is? Turkey. Okay. So if you think of the Mediterranean Sea, let's see if I can do this backwards. Atlantic Ocean's out here. Mediterranean Sea comes across. We have what's first? Spain. Spain. Then the boot, Italy, and then Turkey. It's kind of up here in the corner. We kind of go around the corner, Middle East, and then Upper Africa is along the bottom. So Turkey's way over here at the end of, of the Mediterranean Sea. Peter's in Rome, okay? And he writes this letter. It's a circuit letter. It's going to several different groups there. And we know that because he talks about it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But these people were facing persecution because they were Christians. Now, they were facing real persecution, okay? Sometimes in today, we feel persecuted, and what that means is somebody doesn't like us, right? I feel so persecuted. Alberto doesn't like me, right? No. The, the kind of persecution they faced was you die, 
Okay, that's like it's a whole different level of persecution, right? And so he's writing this letter to these people that are facing this persecution. And, and this applies to us. Now, we may not deal with that type of persecution here in the U.S. Um, for being a Christian. But we've all deal with suffering, right? There's illnesses, and people get cancer, and people die, and we lose jobs, and relationships fail, and on and on and on and on the list goes. We know suffering, Okay, so this is going to be very practical for us as we look through this and see how we deal with, with the, practic- the practical part of this suffering. Okay, and so 1 Peter, he kind of starts with the greeting, and then verses 3 through 12 are a song or a praise, and then the following three movements are a part. I love this because it's, this is like, <laughs> This is how 90% of churches do worship. We start with a greeting, we have some songs, <laughs> and we get a three-point sermon. <laughs> this is where it comes from, right here, okay? This is, this is how you do it, all right? So, um, again, we're, I'm going to be pointing this structure out so you can kind of follow along as we go through this series later on. So, starting out in verses uh, 113 through 220 in 1 Peter, Peter wants these folks to see themselves as part of God's family. He goes, you are part of God's family for going through the suffering. Now, I, I, don't take this the wrong way, okay? Be positive. But sometimes when you see families that merge, you know, maybe there were some divorces and then somebody else gets married and families merge, they don't always get together so well, right? We hear about the evil stepmom or the evil stepdad or the stepkids that were mean to the other stepkids, or what, right? It's not a perfect marriage, okay? Now, that's not to anybody in here. Everybody here, we've, we've all had it perfect. But sometimes you hear about other folks where this happens, right? And so... Peter's going on his way and say, no, you're not the second-hand stepchild. You are part of the family. You, it's the same. You are brought into this family. And he uses a lot of, of language to, to show that. In the intro up there, I think in verse 1 or 2, he says, to God's elect Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I had to look that up. That's Bithynia. Who have been chosen according to the knowledge of God the Father. Okay? So these are the groups that this is going to. This letter is going to go through the circuit through. And he's saying, you're God's chosen. You're part of it. And he goes on to talk about the Exodus and being like the Exodus and being part of this, being like Abraham and wandering, trying to find a place. Okay? You are just like us. You're not some second class stepchild. You are part of the family. Make sense? This was very important to him. Okay? <clears throat> then going on in uh, verses 211 through 411, he talks about suffering as a witness to Jesus. Now, their suffering can bring clarity almost to their mission, right? We got to bear a witness among the nations. And in this time and place where this is written, 
everybody kind of had to do what the household male did, right? If you were married, you worshipped the gods your husband worshipped. If you were a slave or a servant in the household, you worshipped the gods that the father worshipped, right? And if you're a Christian and you don't want to worship them, now there's problems. And this is where some of the persecutions have come from in, in this, why he's writing this letter. And Peter's saying, listen, this is a witness to Jesus. You should be able to do that. And you should resist the evil that's being put upon you, not with violence, but with generosity and love. Now, no, right? If somebody's going to be mean to you, how often do you want to be like generous to them and love them? You know? Every time you see somebody, they punch you in the nose. Next time you see them, oh, I love you so much, whack. You know, no. Right? We don't like to do that. So, I mean, this was hard stuff. This was not easy. But you can see how practical this is going to be for us because we probably all have at least one person in our lives that's difficult to get along with neighbor, co worker, family member. Ooh. You know, okay? But this is going to be very, very, very um, apropos for us, very much. All right, then finishing up here in kind of 4.12 through 5.9, he talks about suffering and the future hope. Because we know that Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, Rejoice when people persecute you because of why? Because of me, Right? Rejoice when people persecute you because of me. And Peter encourages them in 1 Peter 5, 9. He says, resist evil with firm faithfulness. Resist evil with firm faithfulness. Not usually my first choice. Okay? And so what we have here in, in 1 Peter is that Peter offers hope in the midst of suffering. Okay? And again, very real suffering. <laughs> the kind of suffering that costs you your life. Okay? This is not just, oh, I have a headache today and I don't feel good. I'm suffering so badly, you know? I, I want to, because we have not dealt with this. We don't know what this is like, right? But I mean, every day to fear for your life. That's, that's real persecution, okay? And, and God's people are kind of a misunderstood minority here because they have chosen to live under the rule of a different king. And persecution offers the chance to show their sincerity and the love of Jesus. Have you ever thought about persecution that way? I haven't. Persecution is just icky. We don't like it, right? But this is what Peter's telling them. All right, so that's kind of a high overview of 1 Peter. I am taking way too long. We're going to have to speed it up here. 2 Peter, um, again, is written to the, the same group of Christians a couple years later, about 65 AD. This is very, very late in Peter's life. We know that Nero kills Peter right around 65, maybe early 66 AD. Um, 
And Peter apparently knew it was coming. He knows that he's, he's late in his life, and he um, is, is writing this. And this kind of becomes a, almost a farewell speech. And it has a very different tone than First Peter does. Okay, We aren't sure if Silas helps him here. The language is a little bit different, which leads some people to think maybe it wasn't, but we don't know. He doesn't say very much. And by the way, the book of Jude is also dealing with the same topic to the same people and is kind of similar in a lot of ways. And so maybe Peter and Jude were talking about this situation that's going on and, and working together. We don't know, but it's a possibility. All right, so Second Peter opens with a final challenge for Jesus' followers to be a group of people who never stop growing. It doesn't matter how much persecution you're facing. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Continue to grow, both spiritually as an individual and as a group. Continue to add people to the group. Continue to keep developing your, your spirituality and, and never, never let that um, stop. And then... He kind of spends the rest of it answering some objections from false teachers who have popped up. Okay, and there's three objections from these false teachers. Now, do we have false teachers today that are trying to lead us astray? Yes, yes. right, very clearly. And so, I mean, this couldn't be more applicable. And you're going to be amazed at what these three objections are from these false teachers and how much it sounds like somebody today. All right? So, um, objection number one in 2 Peter um, 1, 16 through 20, is that Peter and the other disciples made this whole thing up. This whole business of Jesus and the resurrection and the miracles, what a great story. You should publish that, you know? That'd make a great book, fantasy section, right? Because it's just made up. Bunch of fishermen and shepherds and goat herders, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. But it's a great story, right? Have you ever heard anybody say something like that? Yeah. That's still an objection. And Peter answers this, with his eyewitness testimony of Jesus' ascension into heaven in Mark 9. And he says, I saw, I saw it. And then he says, and by the way, we've got thousands of years of prophets of Isaiah and Zechariah and Haggai and on and on and on, and they all pointed to Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's the one. We didn't make this up. This has been going on for thousands of years, and it happened right while you were standing here watching it. Peter gets a little bit up on his soapbox here, as well he should, as well he should, but he gets a little excited here. He's a little bit worked up, okay? Now, the second objection is that there will not be a final reckoning. This whole business about Jesus coming again and some of us dying and, you know, hell and hogwash. You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah. People still claim this, right? 
And this was an excuse because some of these false teachers were avoiding Jesus' teaching about money and sex. And they were making tons of money off the people, and they were engaged in sexual relationships that they shouldn't have been engaged in. <laughs> they still are, right? And so, um, you know, he points to this, and, and the teachers have misstrewn Paul's teaching about being free in Christ. Oh, I'm free. Well, then, howdy-doody, let's go have some fun. And Peter's saying, that's not what it says, right? And in fact, you're not even really free because now you're slaves to your own bodies and your own impulses, and you can't even deal with that. Okay? Very, there's going to be a lot of good stuff here. Objection number three. It's been such a long time, and Jesus hasn't come yet. Right? You guys have been saying, Jesus is coming, and like what gives? Right? Now, don't raise your hand. Anybody been on maybe a blind date? You're going to go meet somebody? You know, let's meet at the coffee house. We'll have a little coffee or something. And you wait, and the other person doesn't show up. How long do you wait? You know, wait a few minutes. When they got stuck in traffic, it is L.A., you know. Half hour, hour, hour and a half. I mean, how long are you going to wait? Some of you are shaking your head. Tonight. Like, five minutes, man. I'm out. <laughs> right? And people are saying, listen, why is it taking so long? God hasn't come. And Peter says, the fact that you exist proves that God at some point in the past intervened in our world and made something happen, and he's going to do it again. It's going to happen again. He's already done it once, and he's going to do it again. So be ready for that, right? And Peter talks about the day of the Lord and from Zephaniah and some of the Isaiah, some of the other, the, the priests and how, or the prophets, sorry, and how the skies will be peeled back. And he's not talking about the destruction of the universe. He's talking about how things are going to be peeled back and we're going to be able to see how everything was. God is going to expose evil for what it is, and he is going to deal with it, okay? And see, the, kind of the truth is here, and it kind of wraps this up, is that God loves this world, and he's determined to rescue it through Jesus. And that means he has to confront and deal with evil to open a way to a new future. And that's what hope is. Amen? So this is what Peter's trying to tell us here as we get through this. And like I said, I know you're all upset at me now because we just were super high level. We didn't delve into anything deep, but that's coming starting next week, okay? So this is the hook to get you to all come back next week, amen? This is like, you know, when you're watching your TV show and it says, be continued next week. <sighs> all right, got to come back next week. 
And our challenge this week is to join a small group. It's for only six weeks. Six weeks. You can put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and do six weeks, right? I mean, it's just six weeks. I mean, I've had colds that lasted longer than that. We're, we can deal with this, right? Okay? And if you just can't, your schedule just, just doesn't let you, you just can't, then do this. Keep up with the reading. So I put the reading there on the bottom of your notes. That's the readings that we'll be doing for next week. Find some time during the week to read. It's like a chapter and a couple verses. It's very, very short. Find some time to read that. Think about it a little bit. Come ready next week as we begin talking about this in, in greater detail, all right? And I, I'm really looking forward to this because this is going to be super Super practical for us of how to deal with these situations in our lives. Because we've all faced this stuff. We've all had somebody that told us one of these objections that Peter deals with. Or we've dealt with suffering and pain. And it happens. And we, we don't know how to answer it. I was, Vaughn, I'm going to tell the story you told me yesterday. Okay, she shook her head yes. I'm looking at his permission. Like, she could say no now, right? But she was talking to a friend. They're like, you know, what's this whole evil thing? Why does God allow evil, right? This is a question that happens. People ask this. We have to have an answer for it and be able to say, this is why this is happening. This is what's going to happen. All right? I'm really looking forward to this. I hope you guys are too. This is going to be a lot of fun. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to look at these books, First and Second Peter. Thank you so much for preserving these books and having them for us to give us hope, to help us understand some of the things that's happening, some of the suffering and what we can do about it and why it happens. Thank you so much for the hope that we have that someday you will come back and reveal evil for what it is and make everything right. Be with us this week. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen.